All right, that amazing grace. Thanks, Josh, for playing and singing with us. So I just want to welcome everybody. Here we are in the first Sunday of 2018, and I'm dressed appropriately in black today. I don't know if you know that. That's the Oklahoma Sooner color now. It's black. It's no longer red. Uh, but deep grief after this week, after the game the other night. Oh, my word. Uh, just all I can say is the best team lost. Uh, <laughs> way it works sometimes, right? Oh my. So I'm just so glad that you're here today. And uh, as we get to kick off a calendar year, we get to kick off a new series uh, and a new emphasis on prayer that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Uh, Our theme as we start this year is the same theme as last year. Uh, We decided that Be the Hope just really did fit us. And that what we want to do this year is talk more and more about how we can be the hope. Uh, We want to be hope bringers. We want to be hope influencers. We want to be hope starters. We want to be people who bear hope into our world. So I'm going to invite you, if you want to grab your message notes, you can just jump in there and pull those message notes out of your program. And they look like this. And you'll be able to take some notes today, follow along. Have your Bible, open it to Colossians chapter 4. And that's where we're going to be moving to in just a little bit. So I encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, one of the things you could do is start the new year with a new free Bible. And so you can start right up there at the bookshelf and you can take one. It would be our gift to you uh, as you leave today. That'd be wonderful. Um, So uh, when Patrick is up here a few moments ago, he mentioned our Uganda team. And I just want to take a moment and just reflect on that a little bit. There's a picture here of Pastor John and uh, Daphne and a couple of other of the kids, I'm sure, that are part of the orphanage that we sponsor, uh, or at least associated with that in some way. And Pastor John was writing yesterday, and he said, Saturday was an amazing in Uganda for the team and the Lord. Our orphan children teamed with us in evangelism as we shared Jesus in the village of Aziru. And close to 60 people invited Jesus into their hearts. So that's what they're doing. They did the first two couple of days. And I knew we can, yeah, that's a yay God. Um, and that they've been going door to door sharing about Jesus. Now, just know that we, we don't do that in our culture, right? We don't go door to door, but for there in that culture, it's very fitting. And they're very inviting of people who would come uh, because they have deep need for hope. And so when someone comes and talks about hope, then they're really eager to hear And he said that uh, the Muslims came to know Jesus, even a sorcerer came to know Jesus. Our team is so excited as a number of them had never led anyone to Jesus personally. Now, I I know that there's people on that team, there's 13 people from our church, 14 who were there, and uh, I just say that may be true of some of us as well. We've never had the privilege or the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, and I just hope that Sometime in this series that uh, you're going to get even more of an understanding about what that might be and that you might make yourself more available, that uh, anyone can talk to someone else about the hope they have in Jesus. And he says, um, so this is the evangelism team. <clears throat> and then Sunday, they had a grand opening at the Zero Church. We've not heard back from that, but they expected several hundred to come uh, that night to come to the church service. So as I was thinking about that, and here they are, they're all the way in Uganda, all the way across the world. They went to share Jesus, their only hope, to people around the world so that they they could know Jesus, their only hope. And so I was just thinking about, you know, this idea that had come to me um, to uh, use for our theme verse for Be the Hope for This World, this verse from Matthew 12, 21. 
And it says this, it says, in his name, in the name of Jesus, the nations will put their hope. The nations, the world, the nations will put their hope. And so what we see right now is little old Twin Cities is involved in around the world and being part of the promise that is listed in this verse here, and then also the challenge that we'd be part of helping other people to know Jesus. See, folks, the only hope for our world is Jesus. The only hope. It's not government. It's not the economy. It's not science. It's not the internet. It's not the United Nations. The only hope for our world is Jesus. And therefore, the way that we would bring hope into our world is that we would share Jesus with our world. Sharing Jesus is our mission. And our goal in 2018, just as it's been in 2017 and 16 and 15 before that, is that we would lift up Jesus Christ. And as we lift them up, the Bible says that all people will be drawn to him as they see him and see them see him as their hope. You can only know hope as you know grace. Now, that comes from this verse here in 2 Thessalonians 2. Paul is writing a prayer here, <clears throat> and he says this, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, and then notice this, and good hope through grace. Would you underline that? Good hope through grace. How do we receive hope? Through grace. Hope is good, and we receive it through grace. And now may you know comfort in your hearts and then establish them in every good work and word. Hope through grace. That's the whole idea of this series, is that you and I would just sign on to say, I want to be the hope. I want to be someone that's not about the negative in my world. I want to be someone that's not about putting people down. I want to be someone that's not about hate. I want to be someone who's not a complainer. I want to be someone who brings hope into my world. And that means that he's called us to bring grace. Our world is hungry for grace, thirsty for grace, not religion, not rules, not regulations, not what we are to do to earn our way to God. But somehow our world is hungry to know that there's a place that they can be loved. It's through grace. And our goal, my goal, is that each person who is part of Twin Cities Church, who's part of growing with us at Twin Cities Church, whether you're here watching online, that each one of us would come to a deeper understanding of the immeasurable grace of God, and that we would be conduits of then sharing that grace with our world. Now, as we were talking about this series, I wrote a, uh, there's a card in your program that says flow in the front. You don't need it right now, but on the back, it talks about an encounter that C.S. Lewis had. I want to read the full encounter. This comes from Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And he says this, during a British conference on comparative religion, so there's a bunch of religious people coming together to compare religion, okay? Experts from all over the world debated on what belief, if any, was unique to the Christian faith. The debate went on for some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room. I I just would love to have been there to see kind of what that was like. What's the rumpus about, he asked, and heard in reply that his colleagues were discussing Christianity's unique contribution among world religions. Lewis responded, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. After some discussion, the conferees had to agree. The notion of God's love coming to us free of charge 
no string attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. All the other world religions offer people a way to earn God's approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. Dares to make God's love unconditional. We can know hope through grace. Christianity's number one message is the gospel of Jesus. It's grace. It's our number one message, unmerited favor available to everyone. Folks, I'm just telling you, our culture needs this message. Our culture needs to know that Christianity stands for grace. Now, there's a lot of confusion right now about what Christianity stands for. Uh, when you look at politics, you look at the way that evangelicals have been you know, pictured when, uh, by certain politicians and then certain people who hate politicians and the whole thing. There's a lot of confusion now about what Christianity stands for. But I'll just say, first and foremost, we stand for grace. And at any time that we make a camp on something besides grace, we've lost the gospel message, the ability to share Jesus with others. And the purpose for his church, the purpose God gave to his church is that you and I would share grace with our world. So as I was you know, praying through this and reading the Bible and reading a couple of books on grace, this next verse jumped out at me and I thought, this is it. This is it for me. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one, would you underline that? No one, see to it that no one fails to obtain, or another translation actually says, or misses out on the grace of God. Is that a challenge for you? As much as it is for me, see that no one, see that everyone knows grace, that no one, folks, that's everyone. No matter how you may judge a lifestyle, no matter how that you may judge an action, no matter how you may judge someone on status uh, in some way, it's everyone. And so our role, our job is to make sure that we represent Jesus Christ well to everyone. So that every, no one misses out on God's grace. That's our marching orders, to make sure no one misses out on the grace of God. I take that as such a challenge. <clears throat> no one misses out on his grace. We're called to be conduits of grace, conduits of his love. Now, I put a, a couple of thoughts about grace here, kind of a definition for us that we can start with in this series. And the first one's from Dallas Willard. And he defined grace this way. Grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. So it's God taking initiative to do in my life what I cannot do on my own. So now he's saying, you know, I know I'm here. I'm coming to you first, and I'm going to help you do something you cannot do by yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't make yourself acceptable to me by what you do. You cannot empower yourself. You cannot transform yourself. But I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to give you myself... And in that includes the power to change, the power to become different. Grace is supernatural empowerment, the ability to do something I could not do before because he's given me his grace to be able to do it now. It's a force. It's a power. It's a gift that God gives me that supernaturally empowers me to do what he's asked me to do. And as I do what he asked me to do, then I receive more grace. And as I receive more grace, I'm engaging more in what he's asking me to do. And then as I engage more, I receive more grace. And it's a process by which he fills us, grace upon grace. Now, another quote that I heard this week, I was uh, 
laying in the recliner one night because I've been really sick all week, and I heard Kim talking on the telephone, and she, she used this quote from Corey Tenbone, Tenboom, 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 and, uh, and I thought, this is so cool because it really speaks to this whole idea of flow, and Corey, who was a, a prisoner in Nazi uh, concentration camp, and then later went on to become quite a prolific speaker and writer, she said this, she says, when we are powerless to do a thing, it is a great joy that we can come and step inside the ability of Jesus. That's so freeing. I, I don't know about you, but there's so many times I look at the uh, ask as far as Christianity. I look for the, you know, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? And I'm like, oh, I could never, I'm not able, I'm powerless to do this. And it says this, when we are powerless to do a thing and we admit it, and we need, admitting we need grace, it's a great joy that we can come and step into the ability of Jesus. So when I call you to flow, when I call you to live in the current of grace, I'm calling you to live a life of joy, where we walk together. We can't do it on our own. We can't just, religion never made it happen. But when we choose to walk with him in grace together, then he says he's going to do what we could not do, and it's going to fill us with joy. The beauty of this is it's all about grace. It's not about effort. It's about walking in his presence and relying on his ability and resting in his grace. So Kim texted me this morning before first service and said, hey, I'm praying for you today. I know that you're feeling really rough. And I said, here's my, here's my, I'm resting in grace today. That's all I'm doing. I'm just resting in grace. And it's up to God what happens. You know, as I'm just choosing to trust in him. And so there's great joy when we do that. And flow is living in that current of grace. Now, one of the things that we'll talk about in this series is how if we open ourselves up more and more to God, that God will fill us more and more with himself. I open up myself up more and more, he'll fill me with more and more of himself. And one of the books I'm recommending in this series, and I, <coughs> I'd intended to cover it today, but I'm not going to. Uh, it's called Habits of Grace. Um, and so if you want to look at this, you can go to the bookstore and you could just take a look. But basically, the idea of this book is that um, when, we, when we talk about growth in a spiritual life, and we talk about growth uh, to be a follower of Jesus, is that um, we, we say, I'm going to go into spiritual formation. That's a word we use, a spiritual formation. And if I'm going to be spiritually formed, then that means I need to practice certain disciplines that can help me to do now what I can't what, do then, what I currently can't do now. And so we discipline ourselves. You know, and so I don't know about you, but you know, when I talk, when I get to the word discipline, it becomes like really combative, and it, it's kind of it's so it's high intensity and action oriented, and so disciplines end up becoming duty to me. Anybody else? Pretty soon, disciplines become duty. You're like, oh, I have to read my Bible, I have to pray, I have to give, I have to talk to somebody about Jesus. Oh, my word. I have to, and you go through the list, and, you, and all of a sudden, and this is really what happens to a lot of, and a lot of people leave church over this, is they think that's all the church is about. They just tell me everything I'm supposed to do all the time. I come, do, 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 do more, do more, do more, do more, and they end up not being able to do anything because they're exhausted and they're burned out. But what this guy's talking about here is he's saying there's another perspective. Instead of looking at exercises like Prayer, exercises like Bible reading, exercises like t sharing my faith, as disciplines, looking at, look at them as means, a means of grace. So now I'm engaging in this practice, not so that I can check a box off, 
and I can do my duty, but now I'm, in, I'm entering into the stream of grace. I'm entering into the flow of what he wants to do. So encourage you if you wanted to get this. I think it would be a big help for some of us, if, some of you, if you wanted to read this and even grab hold of and look at that. But I wanted to share one today. Prayer as a means of grace. Prayer as a means of grace. And what I want to do is I just want to walk through some verses from Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. And so uh, if you have your Bible open, I'd love for you to look there, but also your message notes, you can follow along. And so he's talking about prayer here, but he's, he's saying two ways. He's saying, pray for me and then pray that this. So pray for me and pray that this. And so it's about prayer, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at five ways that he calls us to pray. And then at the end of this, I'm going to challenge us and call us to, as a church, to pray these five things in 2018 together that we might have an impact so that as much as God wants to use us, we can see to it that no one misses grace because we're engaged with him and what he's called us to do. So I'm going to read the verses, Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. <clears throat> Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Everyone. So I'm going to go through this today. It's my prayer that we'll see this as a call to grace. This prayer is actually a call to grace ourselves and that we would be conduits of grace to our world, that we might impact our world in a positive way with the grace of Jesus Christ so that we, once again, would be part of helping to make sure that no one misses grace because good hope comes from grace. That's what we're here to do. Okay, I'm going to give you five prayers, and all of them uh, start the same, but it's basically God talking to God, give us the power. Now, I wrote this several weeks ago uh, when we needed to print a card for this, and so today, if I was doing it, I would say, give us the grace to. But as you saw, Dallas Willard's de definition, they're the same, grace equals power. And so that's why it's power. And it's give me the power to be tenacious first. That's the very first one. The power to be tenacious. So Paul starts with a, a strong call to action, and he uses the word devote. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, there's a time... In the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, that it's not just about resting in grace, even though that's a lot of action too. It takes a lot of action to rest in grace. Just want you to know. But there's a time when we have to act. We have to step out and we have to move forward. And this is prayer is one of those times where we, he wants us to be active. Now, the word devote has the idea of keeping prayer right at hand. So it's right there. It's like on you know, just a holster and it's, it's, my, it's my weapon and I'm going to pull it out and I'm going to use it and I'm going to have it handy. Pray at any moment. It's talking about having a ferocious commitment and because I believe in the power and the value of prayer. A ferocious commitment, a zeal. And I was thinking, how do I express this? And you know, I was just processing my life and my world, and, and I thought of one way that I could you know, help you understand what we're talking about here, and it would be to tell you a little bit about my dog, Lucy. Okay? Lucy's a Labrador retriever. Anybody ever have a Labrador retriever? Okay, they're insane. You know, just, just heads up, they're insane. Uh, when it comes to, they're made, their last word is what? Retriever. And so that's what they want to do all the stinking time. 
is retrieve, okay? And so my dog, Lucy, she loves food, but she will run by her food dish in a second if she thinks there's a ball or a stick that she can go after. She is so locked in on this idea of retrieving that there is nothing in the world that will get in her way of retrieving. Even one time she was at a friend's house and ran through a burn pile to get to a stick. You know, it's just crazy, crazy thing. Cost us a lot of money, vet bills and that kind of thing. But, you know, we love Lucy. Uh, and so I just wonder how many of us approach prayer in the same way as she does retrieving, that we would run by other things because we know we need prayer that much. We want it that much. So here's what we'll do. I'll, each day I'm going to give us a prayer. I will pray this day with persistent passion, with persistent passion. Dallas Willard said one time, he said that the more we pray, the more we think to pray. That's like a no-brainer, right? The more I pray, the more I think to pray, but it's a habit. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's an expectation. So I'm conditioning myself to want to pray more. Okay, next, God gives us the power to be alert or give us the power to be alert. So I'm asking him, God, I want to be alert. I, want to, you know, I don't want to just miss the opportunities to pray. I want to be like a watchman on the wall. I don't want to be you know, falling asleep. Um, and so I want to be available to pray at any moment. And Paul says, by being watchful. Now, you know, this, is, this requires effort here. It, it devoted, you know, I'm, I'm geared up, I'm ready. But now being watchful, that means I'm going to just constantly be scanning the horizon. Constantly scanning, looking for opportunities to pray. Now, um, I was just thinking of an example of this, and the best example I have is my wife. And so when, I, when my wife constantly is praying, and it's such a challenge to me, uh, you know, because I just sometimes think, God, please give me the watchfulness that she has. It's not that she is so much more devoted to prayer, it's she's just so much aware of the need to pray. And so she's constantly praying for people about situations and circumstances and offering herself as to be a conduit of grace in other people's lives. And so that's what he's called us to do is to be attentive in that way. So I will pray this way with attentive watchfulness, attentive watchfulness. So I'll be aware of culture. I'll be aware of situations. I'll be aware of circumstances. Not so that I can engage and solve everybody's problems myself. Not so I'm just codependent, but because now I know that I'm going to the one who can make a difference. And so I'm going to constantly offer prayer. Next, we pray, God, give us the power to be grateful. The power to be grateful. Now, we've talked a lot about gratitude in the last couple of years. In fact, gratitude is the you know, huge buzzword in our culture today and uh, mindfulness and all that, uh, and there's so much power in gratitude. And uh, of course, it all comes straight from, the, straight from the Bible and talking about gratitude. But there is, you know, now we can know from brain studies uh, how much positive thing, what actually, what, the positive work that happens in our brain when we actually express gratitude. I've talked a lot about it, I've written a lot about it, we've communicated a lot about that. But prayers of gratitude are inspired by grace. So grace is. Charis, that's the Greek word for grace. It's a gift. And so when I receive a gift, I express gratitude. And so prayers of gratitude are based upon the realization and understanding that everything I have comes from God. Everything I own comes from Him. Every experience, every skill, every opportunity, every talent, every resource 
comes from him, and now I'm entering into a life of gratitude where I'm going to be expressing to him how much that I love him and how much I'm grateful. You know what, folks? I'm just saying that I think this one thing, that we've talked about this a lot in, in recently in our church, this one thing that if followers of Jesus Christ, if we could get this one thing down about gratitude, that we would become the kind of examples that we're talking about here literally would transform our culture. Instead of moaners, we'd be thinkers. You should be thinking about that as we come to this. So I'm going to pray with active awareness. So that, you know, I have to be aware in order to be grateful. So I'm going to pray with active awareness. Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, we have to pray with our eyes on God, not our difficulties. To pray with our eyes on God, not our difficulties. Now, I, I know several of you read my email blast this week, and I just really appreciate that when you do, and I really appreciate it when you respond to me. Uh, and somehow, what I wrote this week just struck a chord like something, nothing I've written in a long time. And so many of you have responded to me and talked to me about the power and what we talked about of being able to look at God, not our circumstances. And we look at God, we can find gratitude. We look at our circumstances, then we end up with emptiness. And we end up with envy. And we end up with anger. But when we look at God, we end up with hope and look at him. So just encourage you. Um, you might want to you know, go to your computer and find it in your trash somewhere. And pull it out and read it. Um, now some of you have actually blocked me. Bad. <laughs> It takes a lot of work to unblock me once you're blocked, once you block someone. So you have to call our office. It takes, you know, just go through it. But I think it'd be worth it, just honest, okay, uh, to do that. Of course, you know, that's just me. Okay, so now, next prayer. God, give us the power to be available. <coughs> give us the power to be available. So we get into more action now uh, where we're actually going to, you know, engage ourselves. And he says this, pray that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that we may proclaim it clearly. Now, I'm pretty challenged by Paul, and I know some of you are as well when you read and you understand that Paul's writing this letter from prison, and as he's writing from prison, he says this, pray that God may open a door for our message. You know, what Paul didn't pray is what I'm so astounded by, that Paul didn't pray God open the doors of this prison. Because if you remember God, I'm the guy that's writing most of the New Testament. And I'm the one that really understands the gospel of Jesus better than anyone else. And as long as I'm in prison, God, then the message is being kept here in prison. And so, God, would you open the door so I can get out and go tell everybody about Jesus? That's what I would have prayed if I had been Paul. But instead, Paul says, not open the doors to the prison, but open the uh, so that I may go out, but open the doors that the world may come in, that those outside may come in, and they may be with me, and that I may have opportunity now in prison to share about the love of Jesus Christ. See, part of what the reason that God wants us to pray is he wants us to be part of the divine thrill of what he's doing in this world. And so he wants us to be available. He wants us to pray that there would be open doors for us, that there would be people that would come to us that would want to know, based upon what they see in our lifestyle, that there's something that they might want to know about Jesus Christ, those kinds of open doors. And God wants us to be partners with him. And when we pray, we're actually partnering with him in the best way we possibly can. 
It's part of his grace. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God regularly for divine opportunities. I want a divine opportunity, God. I want you to send people to me so that I can talk to them about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Mel and some of the people from our church. Uh, we have a ministry. Uh, actually, we have a service every Sunday at uh, Escaton right down here on Ridge Road. Um, it's a retirement memory care center, and we have a service every Sunday. And so this service has been going on, I think, for about three years now. And uh, it start, it's growing, and it reached the point where the room we were in was too small, and we were thinking about we might need two services there. And then we, we were able to find a larger room, so we were able to move into a larger room. Well, this, this whole ministry has been founded on prayer, uh, it was started by one person, and now is expanded to more and more people being involved, but especially in this prayer realm, people getting engaged. And so uh, a few, I'm, I'm going to guess about eight months ago, somewhere around that eight months ago, a man named Mel came to the service over there, and um, he let it be known right away that he was Jewish, um, but that he wanted to come because he wanted to learn more about the Bible. And then after a couple of months, he said, I want to know more about Jesus, so I don't know anything about Jesus, he said. And so this team, this group of people that now get together, they're praying, God, would you show us how we can help Mel to know about Jesus? Because none of us have a Jewish background. And so we're, we're totally illiterate on how to share with him in a way that he would understand. So God, would you send us someone who knows, has a Jewish background who loves Jesus? And so prayers went out, and then prayers went out into our church community. And next thing you know, someone came to the top, and a man named Ralph doesn't go to our church. Jewish background loves Jesus, and Ralph loves Jesus so much that he would go down now every week and meet with Mel, too. And so every week they're getting together with Mel. He comes to our services. They talk to him about Jesus. Now the other folks are praying. They're meeting with Mel, too, so he's getting all this personal attention. And then about four, four weeks ago, uh, one of the team members was with Mel and just had this strong sense that Mel was asking questions. It said, Mel, would you like to know Jesus yourself? And Mel said, I would. Well, Mel, would you like to, do you know how to pray? I don't. Well, Mel, could I lead you in a prayer? Yes. And so in about a minute and a half to two minutes, there was a prayer prayed, and Mel prayed to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And it's just a powerful thing that happened at that moment. Now, he's still in the process of understanding but it's just a powerful thing that happened. And it was all because a group of people made themselves available to pray. And then it, not only pray, but then God, use me. God, I want to be an open, use me in this way that other people might know Jesus too. It's just powerful. And so I'm going to say this day that we would just pray for that kind of divine opportunity ourselves. Okay, last idea is this. God gives us the power to be intentional. Intentional. Paul says it this way, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Go ahead and underline that, outsiders, because it's key. Paul's saying, hey, we have to be intentional with the way we relate to people who don't know Jesus Christ. This is where I think the church has gotten so sloppy, is that you know, we, we just expect everybody to hear the same words we say with the same heart we have. And what, he's saying, no, you know, we have to be smarter than that. We have to be intentional to know that that when we speak to people, they have barriers. First of all, many people have barriers against the church right now and against evangelicals right now. 
New York Times just did a series of articles, and then part of that, there were some very, very respected Christians who came on that, and were part of that series who said that um, because of the current political um, stuff that we're going through right now, we're, with evangelicals being lumped with some of the political movement that seems to be so negative, that uh, this article said that we've lost a decade of people, decade of people that aren't open to Christianity because of the way that Christianity's been enmeshed. And so what we have to do is we have to say, we have to come at it in a new way. We have to come at it with a grace-filled approach. And he says this, now, make the most of every opportunity, because you want to make sure that everyone has a chance to hear about grace, that no one misses out on grace. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so our world needs followers of Jesus Christ who wisely speak seasoned words of grace, wisely speak seasoned words of grace, who communicate Christ verbally with wisdom and discernment, asking for Holy Spirit to know the person that's in front of them and how that person's best going to receive the message. We have to be intentionally wise in what we say. We have to ask God for wisdom. But also, Paul says that we have to have followers of Jesus Christ who demonstrate Christ's love grace visibly. So we demonstrate it visibly. We say it verbally, but we demonstrate it visibly to our world. So we need to act intentionally. We have a membership class, and many of you guys have been to that. Some of you haven't yet. I encourage you to do that next time we do. But when we have that class, we talk in the end about the that what we agreed to, we're agreeing to do as a church family, and one of the things we say is that we agree we're going to live a godly life. Well, you know, we all do that as much as we can. But then what I say to them is this. I said, here's why I say this. The reason I say this, because I wish it weren't true, but it is, and it's one of the hardest things that we'll say in this class, is that when you say you belong to Twin Cities Church, your world will judge Twin Cities Church by the way you live. And folks, it's the same true with Christianity. When you say you belong to Jesus, the world judges Jesus based on the way you live. And so we have to be intentional in coming and bringing Jesus in a way to people that they can receive him, they can know him, they can experience him as grace, as grace of knowing him. Now, one of the things I want to share is this email that we got right around, it was right after we did the Christmas baskets. And once again, I'm just so proud of you that it's amazing. Amazing givers. And what you did is we had 95 at one point, went over 100 Christmas baskets uh, that went out to people who have tremendous needs. And we think, well, that affected, that affected 95 families. But I'm going to tell you, this email tells you it was, the impact was way bigger than that. This email comes from one of the workers at one of the agencies in town that received oodles of our baskets. And this is, she wrote, she wanted to tell me this. I just wanted to send you a quick picture, and I wish I could show it, but I can't. Picture of the hallway at work where I could hardly walk because your church sent so many gift baskets. It was overwhelming. Not only has this been a blessing to the many desperate and needy families in our county, but it is also a witness to the hundred employees who work at our agency who ask, where did all this stuff come from? It came from Christians in this community. That's where it came from. There was just something so awesome about walking down that hall. Every employee has to come in through that door, and you cannot help but feel intense amounts of love. 
This is Christianity at its finest, she wrote me. True and undefiled religion is visiting orphans and widows in their trouble. Good job, Twin Cities. Because we choose. As a church, we talk about this all the time. It's why we've worked so hard with stand out. We've worked so hard with get free. We've worked so hard with love everyone always. We want to be a church where people feel the love of Christ, not the condemnation of the church. That's the kind of place we want to be. So here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray for clear wisdom and winsomeness. Each one of us, pray for clear wisdom, words, and winsomeness. How can I be the most winsome witness for Christ? So here's how we're going to do this. Uh, In your program, I printed a card up for everyone. And so we all have a card today, which has the five prayers we just talked about. And then the sub-prayers, each one is there. So the way we do this is that we pray one a day. So last year, we had a lot more verses and a lot more to talk about, and we had six prayers, so it was Monday through Saturday. This year, five, so it's a little easier, okay? Five days, Monday through Friday, and each day I'm praying, but I'm really thinking about I want to be the hope that that through grace there is good hope, that I don't want anyone to miss out on the grace of God. So that's the motivation for my prayers, okay? These are not me-centered prayers. These are prayers that I might be one who makes a difference in my world. So I just do this every day, and I'm praying for myself, and I'm praying for my church family, that God would allow us as a church that we would be the hope in 2018. And I just want you to make it personal. I want you to think of the people in your world. The word outsiders... I know it's hard because some of you don't believe in judging in any way or shape or form. Outsiders means outside of the faith. You have people in your world who are outsiders, or to it, as far as you know are. And so I would just encourage you to have a list of people that you know that are outsiders, that you're praying on a regular basis, that God would be, use you to be the one that impact them in a positive way for him and his kingdom, that they could come, know, come to know Christ themselves. Paul's prayer... Actually, Paul's writing about his life in Acts 20, and he says this. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the, finish it with me, wonderful grace of God. Let's do that again. Telling others about the wonderful grace of God. Wow. Folks, I believe that'll change our world. I'm going to ask you now to bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for the inspiration to be here today and thank you for the people who are here and their hunger and Lord, I pray that every one of us has sensed your personal love for us, the grace that you have for each one of us and that we know you and we can experience you and we can be loved by you and I just want to pray for those who have never said yes to you, that even now they'd be saying, I'm an outsider, and I just want to give you a chance that you might say yes to Jesus. And you would say, Jesus, much as I understand this today, I come to you. I just want to come to you. I want to receive love, Jesus. I want to receive your grace. I believe that you went to the cross for me. I'm a sinner. I need grace, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to cleanse me. I'm going to ask you to fill me. And then all of us, I'm going to ask Jesus that you would help us to be conduits of grace. We would flow in the stream of grace. 
current of grace, that we would be people who want to bring grace to our world, that we would want to be the positive change agents our world needs so much, and that you would fill us with all of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.